0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. To Sharp Lessons Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. We got Professor Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. Appreciate everyone downloading and listening and uh, following all of our picks here in the new year of 2022. We got a fun guest coming up, Nate, on the show today. Valley Sports NFL reporter Serena Morales is uh, joining us. She talked to us for a good half hour and gave a ton of NFL opinions and thoughts on the games coming up this weekend that hopefully will help people with betting.
1: Yeah, she's a former Rams team reporter, and the Rams have a big game this week against the 49ers, so we kind of deep dive that game. A lot of good stuff from Serena on that. Uh, an interesting take, I think, on the Chargers-Raiders game. Um, kind of uh, interesting how both teams have gotten to this point, kind of unexpectedly, I guess, because of how inconsistent both teams have been. And yeah. we talked about other games and her Super Bowl prediction, so good stuff from Serena. So make sure to check out that interview uh, about NFL Week 18 and then looking ahead to the playoffs, which
0: begin next weekend. So let's just right off the bat, let's go to that interview where we talk to Serena Morales from Bally Sports. All right. We want to welcome Bally Sports reporter Serena Morales to the podcast to talk everything NFL. Serena, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year. We're at Week 18 coming to the end of the uh, regular season.
2: Happy New Year. My fire alarm, I have it in my hands, so there will be no fires unless <laughs> – we'll talk about fire rings, but no fires in this household at least. <laughs>
0: there we go.
1: Very good. Uh, let's talk about one of the two big games in a team that you're very close to as a former reporter, team reporter for the Rams, and they're hosting the 49ers. Big game. Both teams control their own fate. Rams have a chance to win the division, clinch the two-seed. 49ers control their own fate, too. They want to take care of business and not have to worry about what the Saints have to do. But you're looking at this matchup, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, buddies from their days with, in Washington. Kyle's kind of dominated, Sean, winning the last five meetings. So what do you think Sean McVay is going to have to do to fix that and try to win the division on Sunday and get the two seed, which would be big because you get two home playoff games if you advance from wildcard weekend?
2: Yeah, you know, not to crap on on Jimmy Garoppolo and that finger of his thumb sounds excruciatingly painful. Um So we don't know whether he's going to play or not. Um, but I'm sure that's a benefit to uh, the 49ers because Sean McVay's like, okay, we need a plan and figure out what's going on. I, I just know that they need to stop the run. And, you know, they've got to figure it out with their linebackers, really, that second tier. I mean, you don't see issues with Aaron Donald other than the fact that he gets triple teamed almost every single time um, the ball is snapped. And yet he still somehow finds the quarterback. I think Leonard Floyd has been a great, you know, edge uh to to balance out Aaron Donald. But then when you see that second tier of guys like Troy Reeder has done a decent job, but they lost – um some some players like Kenny Young, who's now with the Broncos. Micah Kaiser is also actually with the Broncos. At second tier, that's really going to stop, you know, getting those, like, deeper 5, 10-yard runs out of a running back. That's where I feel Kyle Shanahan just seems to get Sean McVay. And I know Sean McVay is very excited to get back his running back, Cam Akers, who, you know, he said he's going to make his debut Cam Akers, man, what a key component to this Rams run game and just overall offense. He had such a great uh, rookie season and then, you know, training before training camp um, hurts his Achilles. And now he's running around like nothing ever happened. Shout out to the Rams um, strength and conditioning group, that whole group run by um, Reggie. It's kind of insane. I mean, you think about how Cooper Cup has recovered from knee surgery a few years ago, and now he's breaking every single record imaginable. Um, I think, really, that defense needs to stop the run. Um, all things considered, especially around questions, who's going to throw the ball. You obviously don't want Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball much if that finger continues to, like, rip apart, which just, again, if you've seen the quote, right. sounds disgusting. So I would say that is the key. Um, and then also stick to a game plan, like what's been working. Like, Sony Michelle has been a great running back, too. I'd love to see, you know, getting him, Hendo, and then getting in Cam Akers and seeing if he just throws everyone off because now you've got this – you know, running back group that can all pretty much prove themselves to be successful. They're obviously going to try and stop Cooper Cup. I'm sure Matthew Stafford will try and get on the ball. And then, yeah, the big elephant in the room is Matthew Stafford and taking care of the ball. And it's crazy, you know, you try and figure out, like, what's going on and why he's making these kind of weird passes at times when we watch the games. We're like, why did you do that? That looks very Jared Goff-esque. So... (laughs) You know, that being said, I think we all just need to, you know, we're not on the fields. I've been on the fields and have seen games go at the speed of light. So I think we all just need to, you know, look at this game as like, holy crap, like Sean McVay needs to get a win over Kyle Shanahan because there's too many wins in the 49ers category in this NFC West division.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Cooper Cup and since it's a sports betting show and a lot of people like betting props. Cop is 12 receptions away from breaking their all-time – or oh, season single receptions record, and then 136 receiving yards away. Do you think he's going to get that, especially because the 49ers are missing some key players in their secondary, at least it looks like, uh, based on the COVID news that's surrounding San Francisco?
2: Yeah. I, I, I think um, – I know I, working for the Rams um, – Their GM, Lesney, Tony Pastors, Kevin Demoff, when they put together player contracts, they do their incentives. I'm sure, you know, you guys have read all about like the incentives that Antonio Brown didn't get, for uh, example. But the Rams like to have these fun, whatever their names are, they'll like name them something that might be a kid, like one of their kids or a wife, or a family member, and they'll name it something fun or a car that they want, and then they'll name those incentives. So I am most certainly sure that Cooper Cup has some incentive. If he breaks X amount of things, he gets the extra chump of chains. So that being said, I know for a fact they also have done things like Cam Akers. They activated him before the end of the season to make sure that he got his rookie pension activated or his – Tension activated. The Rams are very good for that. So yes, I'm sure at some point maybe they start running the ball. And when that doesn't work out, there goes Cooper Cup um, for to get some receptions under that belt of his and break the record. I'm sure everyone is looking forward to that. Sean McVay is a huge fan of Cooper Cup, so is Matthew Stafford and a lot of the teammates. So yes, I can I would say with all of everything I know about this team. That they will do everything in their power to get Cooper Cup to break that record.
1: Yeah, and I remember there was a story this season that they Stafford and Cup would eat breakfast together every day, mm-hmm. and that's how they gained their uh, their chemistry on the mm-hmm. field this season. Is that uh, is that pretty accurate?
2: Yeah, that <laughs> uh, you know, and it's crazy with COVID these days. You know, I haven't been in the cafeteria in a few years, but when I used to eat uh, breakfast and lunch and dinner with those guys covering the team all the time. You know, it's this pretty small cafeteria run by Joey Blake, the team nutritionist there. And Joey will, like, schmooze with the guys, you know, I'll sit there and just ask about their families. So, yeah, I mean, Jared Goff and Cooper Cup had a really good relationship, too. Andrew Whitworth, obviously, is in that mix, and I know how, you know, important he is to that group. So, yeah, no surprise there. Cooper Cup is one of the most friendly, you know, well-mannered, you know, football players you'll ever meet.
0: All right. So let's talk about the other LA team, but the Chargers, because they have Mm -hmm. a pretty big game against the Raiders on Sunday night. Um, What are you expecting from this game? And are you looking forward to maybe it ending zero, zero? What a weird game.
2: What what a weird situation. The Raiders have gotten themselves into like, I completely, you know, canceled them. I was like, there's no way they're gonna get a win last week. They did. Like, how did they figure out how to beat the Colts? You have Jonathan Taylor and the Raiders defense, you know, historically speaking, hasn't been very good. And here comes the interim head coach, Rich Bisaccia, who's like, We gotta figure this out. And he has improved the Raiders defense so much so that um He's breaking like records now. Like they kept an all time low in rushing yards against, what was it? I guess the Bills or the Broncos, um, from like 20 years ago. Like their defense all of a sudden looks pretty decent. And, um, you know, it's not like, uh, Derek Carr isn't a good football player. I mean, this man has accuracy. We see what he's been able to do. At one point, he was leading the league in passing yards. So. There was, there was a well-oiled machine that sort of fell apart. And, you know, unfortunately, it's very Raider-like. We've seen this happen many times where Raiders fans are like, oh, can't get too comfortable here. And then on all the off-the-field scenarios that could have happened, happened multiple times. They don't seem to stop. And so I don't know. Maybe the Raiders are just like, we're winning for ourselves, and it's luck of the draw. They're in Vegas, and they're winning games, and everyone is sort of in shock there the The other thing to consider is that Brandon Staley, who used to be the defensive coordinator for the Rams, now the head coach of the Chargers, he is a coach that players play for um uh. The way he talks to his players, the way that he's able to like get them motivated. I mean, this is a man who has had his own cancer scares. This is a man who knows how to get guys riled up. He is so smart. I mean, when he was defensive coordinator for the Rams um, prior to last year, I mean, they were the number one defense in the league. This is not a surprise that this man is capable of bringing a team in. I mean, the way he's handled Justin Herbert, even though he's a defensive-minded coach, he's built a great – community with the Chargers, especially because, you know, you think about it, like the Chargers in L.A., they have no street cred right now. Like Sean McVay no. with his hair and he's so cool. He's jacked <laughs> up. He's drinking rosé on hard knocks. You're Like the Chargers need a little help. And I think it's a perfect scenario to have Brandon Staley as their head coach now. And the way uh, you'll probably have to go on on the Chargers website, but Derwin James you know, was talking to uh, Brandon Staley uh, the last game, and he was like, I'm playing for you, coach. I'm doing this for you. And he is so calm, cool, and collected. And Brandon Staley's was like, this is why you're a leader on this team. You know, you just want to cry and, you know, take out a tissue box. Who's cutting onions over here? So – like for gambling, I want to stay away from this game completely <laughs> because how are you going to have any sort of you could look at, you know, the fact that the Chargers, you know, run defense has not helped them this season. And, you know, you could look at, you know, oh, but Justin Herbert's going to be able to bring this team back, especially if you compare, you know, Derek Carr to Justin Herbert. But at the end of the day, both of these teams are are completely without stats because neither team has made any logical sense up until now. They've both won games that were like, how did you do that? And they both lost games that you're like, how did you do that? So here they are. This perfect world has collided, and the two teams will play for whoever's going to get into the playoffs, and I am grabbing my popcorn, sitting back, and leaving my money to the side.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely a good game. And I think Ben mentioned the chance of uh, they could play for a tie, and both make the playoffs, but the Colts would have to lose to the Jaguars, and the Colts are two touchdown favorites. So if the Colts take care of business like they should, they didn't do it last week against Vegas, but if they do it this week, then we'll have a true winner goes to the playoffs, loser goes home or stays at home if, if Vegas did lose. So there's 14 other games in Wake 18, what other games are you looking for in terms of playoff implications or maybe something else? I know the AFC East is still up for grabs, but Buffalo is a pretty big favorite at home against the Jets, and they just need a win to win the AFC East. And then looking at some of the later games, the Saints have a chance if the 49ers lose, and then maybe even if the Rams slip up, the Cardinals have a shot in what could be the last game of the Pete Carroll-Russell Wilson partnership in Seattle.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the AFC, right? We've like joked so many times, like, what is the AFC? Like, they've got to just figure this thing out. I mean, the Eagles are like, what is, what's happening? Like, they're all in the, in playoffs now. And, um, I do like the Bills. I've, I've rode with the Bills since day one. I think Josh Allen is such a talent. I think, um, Sean McDermott is a great coach. And I really do think that again, They've had so many injuries and then, you know, they had some COVID scares and, but Josh Allen has been fighting sort of the way that, you know, you look at, um, uh, I'm blanking. Baker Mayfield has been fighting through injury and just, you know, fans criticizing him and you can't blame him. Like you can't give the ball away so many times to Aaron Rodgers. Like that's not how you win games, but you know, Josh Allen has, This Bills team in general, when they lost to the Patriots, were pissed. I mean – there was like this anger that boiled up in them. And I would be too if I played football against uh, the Patriots. So them coming back and beating them, you know, the following week and showing like, yo, we're good. I feel like that was maybe the fuel that they needed. I I hope to see Bill's fans and Bill's mafia smash some more tables, set some things on fire. It's way too cold up there anyway. So (laughs) that is the team that I really do believe that if they can get themselves, you know, into a rhythm, um, look Josh Allen is what, probably the the most talented player on their team and he can run the ball he means the side of of a tight end or linebacker so when you see all these players running at him sort of like he reminds me of like that young Ben Roethlisberger. I know they've compared him to like Cam Newton back in the day but um He's, he's so impressive. And so when he makes mistakes, everyone criticizes him. But at the end of the day, look, it's really hard to beat Bill Belichick. It's real. And Bill Belichick doesn't need to even have, you know, Mac Jones throw the ball at all to win a game. Like that's, that's a scheme. That's complete plan there. So yeah, I love, um, I love the Bills to, you know, keep going, especially they don't seem to get over that hump in the AFC championship game. Like they just seem to like can't win it. I feel like this would be their year, Um, although I also, you know, to put my foot in my mouth, I love the Patriots. I think, you know, the fact that they have Mac Jones, just well-oiled machine into the deep uh, end of the season here and has the only person I've ever seen be able to make Bill Belichick laugh after Tom Brady left. So (laughs) there's some superpower there with Mac Jones, too. I could see both of them, you know, who's going to clinch the division there. Um, That all comes down to a beautiful Week 18 scenario. But, yeah, I do like those teams. I also just like, you know, some of the, like, I'm excited, as we mentioned, to see Cooper Cup kind of break this record. Um, Obviously, there's questions about who's going to play. To be honest, like, Joe Burrow's not going to play, so that's great. Like, keep him out. Save him. Don't touch him. He doesn't need to break any records. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the the Bills and the and the Patriots and in the AFC just in general because those are two teams that have fought till the end and then they fought each other and now they're one and one. So you you end up with an even draw. Yep,
1: and amazingly, if the Titans beat the Texans and they and they probably should as a ten point favorite, they'd be the number one seed and have the loan buy, which I don't think anyone would have expected when Derrick Henry went down and even. When they were winning games, they weren't winning games very impressively. But they got a pretty big break last week with the Bengals getting that upset win against the Chiefs, and now they control their own fate to be great. the top seed in the AFC playoffs.
2: Yeah, yeah, I you know, which is so crazy the the Bengals. But you know, you got to give props too to the Ravens who really fought. I mean, those guys from like week one or two completely yeah. riddled with like lost yeah. Marcus Peters half their secondary, still figured it out. Um, You know, Lamar Jackson, you know, he's never missed a game due to injury. He then has this ankle injury. Then you see Tyler Huntley come through, and you're like, man, where did this guy come from? He should be playing somewhere on a different team and starting. Won't say any names, but you know, what an impressive John Harbaugh should win coach of the year because, literally, how do you take a team to have a winning record with all of these injuries? You don't even use Justin Tucker, who's one of the best players on the team, unless you really need to. You're like, let's go for two again. Um yeah. Really love the Ravens team, and it's sad that they've sort of fallen apart. But you were sort of like, how are you still? It's like, you know, when you stack up, like, toothpicks or cards and you're like, no one breathes. Or it's all <laughs> <laughs> Someone had to breathe at that point. Jenga. Changa. Exactly. So you
0: you mentioned the coach of the year for John Harbaugh. Let's talk about the literal <laughs> opposite, which is some coaches being fired. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, w- what are some coaches that you think may not be on the sidelines for the same team that they currently are next season?
2: Ah. Uh. Well, yeah, yeah, earlier this week, I I did a piece on um good old Joe Judge and the Giants. And his press conference, we all saw, well, we saw some of it depends how long of a life you have and you want to spend <laughs> listening to a man on a monologue. We went for like 11 minutes when one yeah. reporter asked him about like, how do you feel with fans? Like, should fans even have faith in you? And right now it's really funny. There's actually some lawsuit that is going against the jets and the giants because they both have New York and you're as a New Yorker, I'm like, dude, I'm not going to New Jersey to go watch a team. Like this is ridiculous. So I am like, how, why is it taking this long to even file that lawsuit? Like this is complete misbranding here. So if you're going to be in New Jersey and you meet the New Jersey giants and jets, that changes everything. But as a New Yorker, Who, you know, somehow still cheers for the Knicks. Thank goodness for the season and who cheers for the Yankees. Like New Yorkers just don't have time for this. Like there's other things that we could be doing. And instead you're going to New Jersey to cheer for two teams who have four and 12 records. Like what's happening (laughs) now? Robert Sala comes in first year and this man, you know, has made quite the change. I feel like, I mean, they were neck and neck against the Buccaneers. If Antonio Brown didn't lose his mind and run off of the sidelines, I was like, guys, that score is way too close. This is the Buccaneers we're playing and the yeah. Jets stayed in these games, and they've had some really significant wins. So I think Robert Sala, he's fine. But Joe Judge, I don't know, he must be scared for his job. You fire your offensive coordinator, you're like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. You bring in Freddie Kitchens, makes perfect sense, and then nothing changes. You score a touchdown in three games. What kind of offense are you are you running you have really good players, and for him to go, oh, yeah, we're, you know, on the trajectory to be better rather than worse, well, please explain to me how because nothing is making sense. Who One of you guys, right, had to be tasked with watching that last game against the Bears. Yep. How do you lose that badly to the Bears? I mean, the Bears <laughs> are a team that have been losing so poorly. So I think if you're trying to, you know, if you're the Mara family and you're trying to, you know, set a standard where, again, like this is the Eli Manning show where – You know, they were winning Super Bowls against the Patriots back in the day, catching, you know, footballs on helmets and making splashy. And you're like, how did this happen? And even if they're ruggedy or whatever, but you have so much of the best talent on your team and you're losing games by that much and your offense looks confused. And now you're deep into like Jake Fromm going to be your uh, your quarterback, there's something wrong. Like, there's way too many weird injuries, too. Like, you might have to clear house because we might have to, like, push a really good reset button on this, and it's unfortunate. You know, but the players, I mean, the poor players, you know, have been playing their butt off, and if they're getting set up for this, that's not their problem.
1: Yeah, and there was a report that Judge would re-retain. They'd bring back Daniel Jones, but then maybe open up the, uh, the GM market and try to find someone, which – doesn't really make it an attractive GM job when you're kind of tied to the head coach and, and the quarterback. But I feel like the last two games with the Giants, how poorly they played, how they just like didn't have any effort to win last week, where they're trailing literally from the second snap of the game because Glennon fumbles and sacks, spare score the next play. But they still ran the ball with their running backs 39 times. And Glennon, until like late in the game, had like eight dropbacks going in the fourth quarter. So it was almost like they didn't even want to try to compete and try to win with their game plan. So wonder if Judge and the things he's saying, maybe uh, the, the fans in New York or New Jersey try to pressure uh, the Mara family to making a full sale change for the Giants because that team has really struggled the last three or four years.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I could – there's questions around, like, Kevin Stefanski and, like, Vic Fangio. Also, a runner-up, like, maybe a gold star – David Cully should totally get a gold star trying to figure out the Texans with your third uh your third quarterback and, yeah. you know, dealing with, you know, all of the things off the field with Deshaun uh Watson and just the fact that like I don't know how they, they were, they won a few games. And I think that's so beyond impressive. Four games. They're the same as the Giants. But opposite (laughs) again, like you look at Robert Sala, you look at some of these games and you're like, man, I see the effort. Um, Dan Campbell, another gold star. Like I will talk about a couple losers that are winners in my eyes. Like you put it together, you're figuring it out. These are obvious coaches who care and want their teams to win, you know. So, gold star for Dan Campbell, gold star for um David Cully, and then not gold stars for Joe Judge. You know, Kevin Stefanski, uh, like, you know, I don't wish anyone to be fired, honestly, outside of Urban Meyer. And thank the Lord they already got rid of him, so he's here nor there. But... Um, <laughs> Look, the Browns were also decimated with injuries this season. So I think there's – and, like, we don't know what was going on with Baker Mayfield and how injured he was. Like, it was his non-throwing shoulder that was hurt. So everyone's like, oh, well, you know, it's not even hurting him. But we don't really know how bad things were for him to actually, you know, play under those circumstances. Maybe he keeps getting hit or his turn. Like, I'm not here to judge. So Kevin Stefanski, I hear, you know, might be – is on the hot seat, obviously. Um, uh, Matt Nagy, this question mark, and I'm sure there's questions there. Um, they probably need a reset because what you're going to celebrate winning over the giants, like both of you guys should go maybe have dinner and drinks. And after you find out, the yeah,
0: we're going to celebrate winning in 1985 is what they're going to (laughs) celebrate.
2: That's what you guys have been doing. yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We're based in Chicago and we, we know that the, the organization and, Needs a big, big overhaul, not just head coach. So I think it will be a, yeah. a, a changing of the page for the Bears on, on Black yeah. Monday uh, after their Week 18 game against the Vikings. But let's look ahead to the playoffs. And just right off the bat, what's your Super Bowl prediction? Is it going to be Bills? Because you maybe tipped your hand there with your previous yeah. answer. Or is it going to be someone else in the AFC? And, and then in the NFC, is it the Rams or the Buccaneers or Cowboys? Could they take down the Packers at Lambeau Field?
2: You know, you said the Cowboys, they've obviously been really impressive this season. I mean, especially with their defense. Now, Micah Parsons has COVID. And I I love this kid because, you know, he's actually one of the first kids who's like, I let... I let my team down like I you know which you know everyone is getting covid these days so but for the fact that he was like oh my gosh I I screwed this up you know and and that like to me shows this kid has responsibility and he's taking ownership um it would be really funny Mike McCarthy and and the Packers with with their history and and him coaching I think he's not the greatest coach. I'm very fascinated at how the Cowboys under Mike McCarthy have gotten this far, but the pure <laughs> talent of this team, I don't think he uses the, the, the clock right. I don't think he uses his timeouts correctly. This is a man who like the first game of the season, I believe, they lost to the Buccaneers by a field goal or, or, or like a point. And I was like, call use your you have two timeouts. You have two timeouts just call the timeout to screw up the kicker, like use anything. Like some coaches don't want to do that. They're like, no, forget it. If he makes it, he makes it. But if I'm trying to win every single week, I will use whatever powers I absolutely have. If it's blinking five times and then, you know, Oh my God, the kicker misses whatever superpowers you have, you have two timeouts. Just use them. Just whatever you can do to win a game. And he didn't and they they lost the game. And Obviously, there's a lot of criticism there. But that being said, um, I believe very strongly in, you know, the Cowboys in general being a a really uh, good team, not under Mike McCarthy. Um, I, I like the Rams if Matthew Stafford can take care of the ball. And I don't know if that is a thing that Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford need to sit down in the cafeteria with Cooper (laughs) cup and get breakfast together and figure (laughs) out what's going on. Maybe, you know, there'll be a change of just the entire run game in general where Matthew Stafford doesn't have to feel the need to throw the ball all the time. If they add someone like Cam Akers in and they somehow beef up the run game. Um, I think their run game has been amazing with Sony Michelle recently. So I have more faith in the Rams going deeper and to the Super Bowl than the Cardinals. I, I feel like, um, Cliff Kingsbury is like the, the 2.0, like the minus 2.0, like the B of Sean McVay. I, I say this politely, but that sounds terrible. I just don't think he's, um, there's questions around him too and his coaching. And I think, that they should be a lot better, too. Obviously, there's questions if they're getting back J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. He's basically like, I'm not even sure we're getting these guys back for the playoffs. But Kyler Murray is an amazing talent. And I feel like, you know, it's all sort of if he does well, the team does well. And if he doesn't do well, then, you know, Cole McCoy gets, uh, you know, a win, you know, with James Conner. Yeah. Um, Super Bowl I want to say the Rams because I feel like there's stories to be told and like this oh it's in SoFi Stadium and even though there's now conversations that the Super Bowl may be moved because of COVID in LA and that might happen and it might go to Dallas which would be hilarious if the Rams actually make it to the Super Bowl and then they're like no you can't have your home field advantage because we've already changed (laughs) it to Dallas but I feel like that's where the NFL sort of just these stories just happen. Like why are the Vegas Raiders still this far and have this weird luck of the draw? Um, I would say, yeah, I love, I love the bills for the AFC. I love the Bengals. Like for some reason of uh, Joe Burrows, cockiness and Jamar chase. I mean, Joe Mixon is, Has is second in the league in rushing yards behind Jonathan Taylor. That dude just bounced. Like I feel Zach Taylor is under the Sean McVay coaching tree. Um, I actually think that would be an amazing storybook ending to have, you know, the Bengals after going, you know, with a two win a couple seasons ago to where they are now. Um, their defense has certainly improved later on in this season. So. I probably don't think anyone's cheering for the Bengals, but I would say either the Bills or the Bengals, and maybe the Cowboys, the Packers, man, yeah. <laughs> Packers annoy me. They're so
0: good. I know They're they so are. Good.
2: Um, yeah, maybe the maybe the Rams or the Packers. Maybe the Rams or the Packers. So I would put those four in my in my bucket. The Aaron Rodgers is again like there's something about being really cocky. Where he can tell off a reporter who doesn't want to vote for him um, and, <laughs> as MVP and be like, well, he's yeah. a bomb. And I'm like, well, okay, thanks, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and, uh, Joe Barry, holy cow, uh, defensive coordinator for the, um, for the Packers who was with Sean McVay not that long ago. And he was the linebackers coach for the Rams. So I feel like just in general, those two, um, he's changed around the Packers defense completely, and he's working with Matt Lafleur, who he's known for many years. Again, under the Sean McVay coaching tree. So, <laughs> yeah, Sean McVay is somehow it's, still I in say, this thing. Yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing
1: how a thirty-year, a four-year-old coach—I think that's his age is, has like already a, a coaching tree under him. And we always talk about wow. the Bill Belichick Bill tree, or the Andy Reid tree, and those guys are veterans of the, uh, the head coaching space. So, we'll wrap that up there. Serena, thank you so much for joining us. Where can we follow you, and where can we see you on the Valley Sports channels and social media channels?
2: Yep. Uh, my Twitter is at Serena, just at S A R I N A. was one of the first people on Twitter, so I didn't buy it, just got <laughs> it first. And um, you can follow me there and on Instagram at Morales, Morales And follow me, yeah, on Bally Sports. I am covering the NFL. For ballysports.com, so you can find me. I do hits pretty much every day of my life there on their Twitter and Instagram and website. Yay for websites. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, appreciate Serena coming on, talking with us. Interesting uh, Super Bowl predictions, but it makes sense. I think, you know, you look at the teams, and I she's very high on the bills, and I get that, and I really like the bills. But I don't know, they've 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 shown some moments throughout the season where you're kind of like, ooh. Like, you're looking at some of the games they had against the Jaguars and some struggles they've had on offense. Like, it's you look at that and you're like, this, I don't know. I don't know if I could trust them again.
1: The funny thing with the Bills is they're an outdoor team that plays in bad weather, but they're probably better off playing in, like, a a dome or warm weather. I don't think there's going to be many opportunities for that in the AFC playoffs, but it's weird how it's a team that is built – to throw the ball around the park, Josh Allen. I know Josh Allen does have a big yeah. arm coming from Wyoming, so he can throw in the elements. But we saw when they hosted the Patriots on Monday night how they struggled. When the weather was more tame, Allen was, have a, was able to have a lot of success against the Patriots. So it's all kind of matchup dependent, I think, against the Bills. And if they get a rematch of the Chiefs, let's see if they can put up a, kind of a repeat performance or at least a good enough performance to take down Kansas City like they did in week six
0: earlier this year. Absolutely. So again, we appreciate Serena coming on, talking with us. But Nate, let's get to our picks because we have uh, some big games this weekend in the NFL and in college football. Of course, the national championship on Monday, excited for the Natty. Um, And then week 18, final game of the regular season for all the NFL teams um, for this extra week that the NFL has added for week 18, first week 18 of all time. So that's kind of fun. Um, but let's just start with some of our NFL picks. Uh, and you, Nate, I know we're talking a bit about 49ers Rams, um, and that was a game we were talking about a bit on Wednesday. So we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo throw. There's been footage of Jimmy Garoppolo throwing. And right before we started recording the episode on this Thursday evening, the line in that game moved a little bit. So I, I, I kind of want to know what your thoughts are on this game, because you were eyeing it earlier on in the week. Do you have a lean so far this way? Because we still aren't sure, right, if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play or if it's going to be Trey Lance.
1: Yeah, my lean was towards the 49ers. But I know there's been videos of Jimmy G and maybe some quotes that sound positive, but he did have a quote yesterday on Wednesday as we record this on a – as we get close to Thursday evening that he was in a lot of pain throwing the football. So – Shanahan has made pretty clear that he's not going to reveal who's starting. I'm sure that information will leak out. And when it does, we'll get a better idea who's starting, where the number goes. If Jimmy G does get the nod, then I can see this kind of staying Rams minus four, maybe down to minus three and a half. But if it's Trey Lance, just because of his inexperience and just kind of his rawness, I guess he's a has a very high ceiling. He looks the part of what could be a dynamic quarterback one day, but he's not ready right now, especially in this stage with the season on the line. So I can see this line maybe even getting up to six. So I think if you read the market, you'll be able to figure out who's starting at quarterback, even if we don't get an official announcement before the game. So personally, I'm going to stay away for now. If Jimmy G does play, I would consider betting on the 49ers, but at the same
0: time, I do have concern that he's not going to be fully effective for this game. For my bet's sake, I am hoping Trey Lance starts because I am probably going to be taking the under in this 49ers-Rams game. And Serena talked about it, about Matt Stafford's struggles. And (laughs) she even said uh, the fact how much he looks like Jared Goff, which, you know, has been on the minds of a lot of people, I'm sure, watching this Rams team. And you see Stafford throw just some inexcusable interceptions um, downfield on deep throws. He just doesn't look... Like the Matthew Stafford that we saw play against the Cardinals, or the Matthew Stafford we saw earlier on in the season, they just the offense hasn't been good, and I, I don't trust them to really run up the score on a, on a 49ers defense, which you know they are going to have some secondary issues. I think they have some secondary injuries to worry about for sure, but they're still a formidable defense, and we know how well Shanahan does play against his, these McVay teams. So he's going to have his number defensively, um, and the 49ers offense too. I'm not going to trust them to score if Trey Lance is going to play. So I, I'm going to take the under 44 and a half. For this one, I believe, and especially I'm going to be more confident if Trey Lance plays in this game because we're probably going to see the 49ers run a ton, and that just means a lot of chewing clock uh, in this game. So I'm going 49ers-Rams under 44-and-a-half. Now, the other L.A. team that we both have picks on is that Chargers game for Sunday Night Football, Chargers-Raiders. And that game is, as long as the Colts do their job, beat the Jaguars— they, that game is going to mean something. Winner stays, loser goes home. They're not going to have to end in a tie or, you know, need the ball 20 times each. Right. So Chargers-Raiders, minus three is the line right now for this one in favor of the Chargers. And I think we're both thinking L.A. in this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers minus three, maybe even wait till close to the game and take the Chargers on the money line. This is just... Maybe it's being stubborn and not believing that the Raiders are a a playoff team. But if you look at their last nine games since the bye, their offense has only scored 17 or more points twice. So the offense is really just getting by. They got very fortunate the last three games getting to play Nick Mullins, Drew Locke, and then a Carson Wentz who didn't practice all week because he was on the COVID list. So I feel like the Raiders are just catching every break right now. I know the Chargers aren't a perfect team. They just lost the Texans two weeks ago, but they were going through a COVID outbreak of themselves. So I I really like Justin Herbert and the Chargers here in a situation where I know it's minus three, but with the total going up, I think if there's a chance it's a shootout, which favors the Chargers, that it's basically just winning the game. So give me the Chargers. It's going to be a best bet for week 18. Maybe my only NFL best bet. I might add something uh, or personally bet some stuff uh, Sunday, but I'm confident enough to give out on the podcast. I'll uh, come out Friday morning, Chargers minus three against a Raiders team that has caught a lot of breaks in the last few weeks. And the Chargers have the better quarterback and are the better team. And, and just, I don't believe in the Raiders. I haven't believed in the Raiders, and I know they might be proving me yeah. wrong record wise. But I think a lot of people realize this team's overrated not as good as a record and that there's a chance here for the, uh, the chargers to take out a Raiders team. That's gotten very lucky the last few games.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do think that this line is a little different if they don't lose, if the chargers don't lose to Houston. And I don't know what went wrong in that game. Uh, I don't, you know, they just didn't look good. Their offense was terrible. They kept getting stopped on fourth downs. Like that was an issue. But I don't think it's a big enough issue for people to really stay away from them at this point. Yeah, they were going through a
1: big COVID outbreak in that game. So I'm not going to try to give them a pass, especially that, that game. I think it was week 16. Sunday morning, the Chargers were a 10.5 point favorite and they got steamed up to as high as 13.5. So they were taking a lot of late money that game. It wasn't an inexcusable loss. But at the same time, if they won that game, they wouldn't be in this win or go home situation. They would have already clinched a playoff spot more than likely um, as long as they beat the Broncos last week. So uh, I think we're getting just a discount on the Chargers now because just a few weeks ago, the Broncos with Drew Locke went into Vegas and they closed a, a road favorite. And now the Chargers are only a favorite by two more points in that closing number. And the Chargers are a, a better team than the Broncos, especially with Drew Locke under center and and a healthy Justin Herbert for the Chargers.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I do like I still like the over at 49 and a half. I think I think you'd be pretty safe playing the over up until like 50 and a half. You probably don't want to go past that 51 mark because of how important it is in the NFL, but I do I do like the over. I think like you said it, it it's tending and trending the way that a shootout is is going to be. Um and even looking at Justin Herbert's like passing props, it's 278 and a half. That you know, that seems a little bit low um, in a game where as Serena talked about, the Raiders' run defense has been better, so we may just see Justin Herbert slinging the ball around um, in a nice field, turf field, Las Vegas. <laughs> I, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. We'll probably see Justin Herbert go over his passing prop. Um, so, yeah, I do like the over in that one. Falcons and New Orleans, another important game for the Saints, win and get in. But, Nate, we both are very anti-Saints this weekend.
1: Yeah, so the Saints have to win, but they also need a Forty ers lose. But if both favorites yes. win in those games, then New Orleans will prevail. So I guess, you know, with probability wise, probably like a fifty fifty shot that the Saints make the playoffs, unless you b- don't believe in the Saints like we do. And the Saints' strategy for me all year, bet against them as a favorite when they're an underdog, then consider them. I know that they did end up covering last week against the Panthers, but I'll go and bat- go up against them again and bet against them here especially in an inflated number because they're in a must-wit situation. The Falcons had their playoff dreams crushed last week, even though I'm not really sure how they stayed in the playoff uh, mathematical contention (laughs) for this long. Hanging on for dear life. Yeah, but the Falcons, a team that wanted to play spoiler. So I I like the Falcons here. And before we recorded, actually, someone else liked the Falcons because we saw this line come from Falcons plus four and a half across the board. So now in some places as low as three and a half. Yeah, three and a half, four. So, yeah, so someone bet the Falcons yeah. on Thursday afternoon. Um, I, I One of the things that was kind of holding me back from betting the Falcons now was there was an uncertainty if Kyle Pitts was going to play as he battles a hamstring injury. Sounds like he wants to play. It sounds like he wants to beat the Saints, spoil their season. And he also has a chance to set a record for the most receiving yards by a rookie tight end. So maybe some extra incentive uh, for him to play in this game on Sunday so I like the Falcons at home and quite frankly, I just want the Falcons to beat the Saints because I want the <laughs> 49ers in the playoffs because I think that would definitely make it the seven best teams in the NFC in the playoffs uh, the current form of the version of the Saints is something I rather would not see on wildcard
0: weekend yeah I just I don't trust the Saints team I'm with you on on the Falcons side I think that's the correct side in this one if you're gonna get some points. Take them against the Saints. Uh, and I know they've, you know, you look at the end of their schedule, right? They played Carolina, and that's a bad team. They Winning 9-0 against Tampa Bay, I don't know how that happened. I I really don't. I, know, I think that's just one of those fluky games that you get.
1: Yeah, I know that. We're talking about that game that week and how the Saints had a good track record in the regular season against Tom Brady, and the Bucs lost – three of their best weapons mid-game, and they literally had no one left to throw to, and Brady just didn't have it that night. Sunday night game, I know he sometimes struggles in prime time and has struggled against Dennis Allen's defense. So a weird result for sure, but that was the result that kind of gave him a shot to be the playoff race, and then they had, I guess, that mulligan against the Dolphins when Ian Book had to start. But really weird season for the Saints as they're starting. They've started four different (laughs) quarterbacks. That's crazy. Uh, I just don't feel like they're a good team at all. Kamara no. missed a lot of time. They don't have a true number one receiver. They only have like a their number one receiver wouldn't be the number two receiver on most teams. So,
0: no, I'm 100% a, in agreement. They, they I, deserve
1: credit, but I like the Falcons here. Just Saints should not aren't a good enough offense to be favored by
0: more than a field goal in my opinion in this game. Um, other games that we are hitting. I I just want to add this. I think you should live bet the Lions. And I hate publicly saying betting any money on the Detroit Lions. But I think in a situation like this, when we're maybe going to see maybe the starters play like one drive or two drives for this team, because they were talking about uh, Lafleur was talking about he doesn't like his team to be out for three consecutive weeks and not have playing time. So maybe we're going to see the Packers play their starters a little bit in this game. So maybe they get out to an early lead, grab the Lions live and see if they can do anything against the backups.
1: I totally agree with that analysis. The Lions are a live team I'm looking for, and also the Dolphins, a live team, because the Dolphins are playing the Patriots. If the Patriots see the out of town scoreboard and see the Bills are crushing the Jets, which is very possible based on the uh, the point spread for the game, I <laughs> could see a situation where the Dolphins, if they are trailing, mount a comeback. So definitely week 18, a little bit different than betting other weeks. Uh, betting live is a good way to do it. Betting teams against teams that are in a must-win situation is one way to go. Not blindly, but betting against teams that are in must-wins because must-win doesn't mean must-cover. So, like, the Saints could easily win by three, but they wouldn't cover the number. But the line is inflated because of the situation and the playoff scenarios for Week 18. And that'll go kind of nicely into my last pick and something I might add on Sunday. I'm going to wait until after the Saturday result involving the Chiefs and Broncos. But I like the Texans at plus 10 or better against the Titans. The Titans is not a good offense to be laying such a big number. The Texans are a team that have been fighting down the stretch. They won back-to-back games. Last week against the 49ers, they stayed within the number for most of the game against San Francisco and could have easily covered that. So I kind of like the Texans here catching a lot of points, especially if the Chiefs win, put pressure on the Titans Maybe that line goes up a little bit, knowing the Titans are going to play their starters and go all out that full game. But I like the Texans here at plus 10 or better. Going to wait till Saturday evening to place a wager on that game unless there is some COVID news surrounding the Texans, which is very possible given the state of the NFL. Um, and so, yeah, Texans are a team I'm, I'm interested in. And I'm not going to give it out as a best bet, but I do um, – I'm going to st- – Track my bets. I know Ben also is tracking his bets on a, on a few apps. And uh, if you want to check my Twitter, at Nate Jacobson one I have a pinned tweet and also in my bio where you can find my picks. So not going to give it out as an official best bet on the show, but we'll have some money probably on the Falcons and Texans, and I'll make that official um, on the app. So if you want to, follow me there,
0: and the information is on my Twitter account. Let's talk college football, national championship, Georgia, Alabama, Nate. Lots to pick from. You already had a a best bet for this one that you gave out on Wednesday, which was the under, and I'm going to ride your coattails on that one. I love the under. Uh, You like the first half under. I think that's a great idea. I I just think this is a game the two teams have seen each other, and I know the SEC championship went way over, but the fact that these teams are familiar with each other, Alabama's missing Mechie on their offensive side. Stetson, fine. He's okay. I'm not going to trust him that much against an Alabama defense that – is a lot better than the Michigan defense that Georgia saw. I'm liking the under.
1: Yeah, I do. I like the under as well. We talked about this game for like seven minutes on Wednesday, so I think if you want to go back, that was a good breakdown there. I don't think we have to kind of regurgitate what we said, but I think this is going to be a very close game in terms of both teams are familiar with each other, and they've also seen each other in person about five weeks ago, so there's going to be adjustments made. By two very good coaching staff, so that all plays into the under for this game, which is a best bet at 52 to half, and then the first half under, whatever number you can find it at. I think 26 is the pretty much the consensus number for the first half total, um, but 52, 52 and a half, As I just quickly pull up the odds, yeah, now it's down to 52. That's still fine. Go. I think once we right get a direction. little, yeah, once we get a little lower at 51. I know it was an important number in terms of college football totals, so, total, so that's when I might hold off on betting the under, but 52 is fine.
0: Yeah, 100%. So we like the under. The the props it, I was looking at, and I know I just trashed Setson Bennett, but his right. over for his passing yards seemed a little bit low to me. Now, I, I don't think Alabama's going to – or Georgia, excuse me, is going to score a lot, as I said, because I think the under is going to hit. But I I could also see Alabama – playing well enough to have the lead in the second half. You know, I have their future for a championship win, so I'm going to be riding that and hoping Alabama does have the lead. But 244.5 is very low for what Bennett has done um, this season. And I understand why it's low, because that Alabama defense. But, you know, I I could see him getting 255, 275 fairly easily in a game that's going to be close. They might trail for portions of this game playing from behind. They're going to be passing a lot. They're not going to be able to run it as easily against an Alabama run defense. So I kind of like the Bennett over and then his rushing over at 13 and a half, He had 11 yards on seven carries against Alabama in the SEC championship game. So if he's going to be carrying the ball five, six, seven times, which he has in multiple games throughout the season, I think that 11 yards was kind of a fluke. If he's going to be carrying it six times, I think he can easily get over 13 and a half yards. So, I'm going with Bennett's over yards passing and over yards rushing in this game, but still expecting the under. So kind of toeing a, a line here, but hoping that all the stars align to uh, to help do the over in the passing and running yards, uh, rushing yards and then the total too.
1: Yeah, I would double check when it comes to rushing stats because I know in college football sometimes they have the quarterbacks rushing stats count as sacks. So I would just double-check that and kind of make sure that his seven rushing attempts were like he was sacked five times or something. So I would double-check that. And then for the passing yards over, I don't have a problem with that, but then you kind of want Alabama to be leading and Georgia forced to pass and kind of get away from their run game, which I don't know if they're going to want to do, but if they are trailing, they're going to have to do. So I think based on your preference of the game is kind of how you – need to handicap some of these props, not just yeah. for this game, but any game, especially the big games. We're going to get to the playoffs where a lot of emphasis will be on props because there won't be as many betting options. And when you bet player props, you want to try to figure out how the game is going to play out in your eyes and try to take advantage of maybe something that's mispriced. I think Georgia's is going to win. I, I'm i not sure if I'm going to bet on it. I know it's what's keeping me off Georgia is – The Alabama underdog, Nick Saban, 4-0 against Kirby Smart. I think it's 4-0. That record, that historical record, and just him owning his assistant coaches that worked under him at one point. But I like Georgia here. Alabama's dealing with injuries on the offensive line. They won't have John Mechie, a really key target, who did really well in the SC title game. They have injuries at cornerback. I'm not sure if Georgia's the right team to exploit that, but they were able to have success in the air against Michigan at times. So I like Georgia here. I think they're the better team. And honestly I'm rooting for Georgia too because I want them to win and Kirby Smart to get the monkey off his back against Nick Saban.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm riding that Alabama future, so I'm just gonna go with that. There's not because Georgia's not the underdog in this one, it's going to be uh a little hard to bet on them and make money, you know, find that little middle ground there. So I'm just gonna ride with Alabama. I'm not gonna hedge just hope the Crimson Tide do stuff Um, because I bet this all the way back. I think in like October, I said on the episode, I bet their future. So, yeah, it's been up. It's been down. They've been, you know, higher than what I got them at, at like plus 250. And they've been lower, too. So it's been a ride kind of riding that future for Alabama. But it's going to be a fun game for sure. I'm excited. I I hope that the props hit, too, because it's it's a (laughs) little more tricky betting college football props than it is NFL props, because just the variance and you just don't know what these players are going to bring every week. But being at the national championship game, I think you could have a little bit of a better idea. Um, before we leave, best bets, Nate, just to recap, what are you uh, thinking for the weekend?
1: Yeah, so I gave out the under in the national championship game on Wednesday. Show we're grading it full game at fifty two and a half. Fifty two is fine, and then adding another one: NFL Week eighteen, last regular season game of the year, Los Angeles Chargers minus three. Raiders have been very fortunate the last three games. In seven of their last nine games, they failed to score 17 or more points, so their offense is struggling quite a bit. I think the Chargers have a chance to get to the playoffs here, expose the Raiders' offense a little bit, even though the Chargers' defense has struggled, get pressure on Derek Carr, Justin Herbert making enough big plays and attacking the Raiders' secondary, and the Chargers will move on to the playoffs and cover the number in Las Vegas on Sunday night.
0: I'm riding both of those. They're your best bets, but I'll just uh, ride along with you because I think they're all good bets. Um, So, yeah, those are our picks for this weekend. Good luck to everybody. Have a fun Week 18. Have a fun National Championship night. And we'll be back next week with some golf, maybe some more NBA, and then we got the NFL playoffs coming up. So lots of fun times ahead in the month of January, and we'll see you next week.